What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? I thought you said you were switching something up in the intro. I am. If you notice, there's a subtle change. Was it just like in your inflection? No. It was substituting uh, one word, put, substituting, I guess... Uh, Three words for one. Mm, you got more concise. Yes, more concise. Trying mm. to get trying to get into the show a little sooner than we normally do. Sure, You're not helping things. No, no, uh, no. I'm really all. dragging this thing right. along. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm I'm doing all right, Graham. I'm doing all right. Uh, not too depressed. <laughs> I don't think so. That's good. Should I be? Well, we had a uh, god awful football game on Thursday night. Last Thursday night. Graham, I try not to tie up my entire well-being in the state of Atlanta sports. That's a slippery road. Well, you're a better man than I. That <laughs> <laughs> you might be traveling, um, but yeah, things are fine. It's uh, we got a good baseball team. Yes, we do. And right uh, <clears throat> one game has been played in an NFL season. Right. So no reason to lose uh, complete control over your uh, your feelings towards anything at this point. Right. Right. I feel like we've already kind of jumped into it. Yes. Uh, so this is our first show since week one, so we're going to be doing a recap of that game. We're going to be talking about pretty much the Falcons uh, a lot. Are we in panic mode? Do we want to wait and see how things play out? Are we going to have different opinions over this? Probably. We're going to be touching on the injuries to Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, which are devastating to the defense, the one unit on this team that comes to play every freaking week. And then we'll uh, turn that frown upside down. Well, do part, part of the Falcons yeah. segment as well, we're going to go into pretty in-depth conversation on mental health and Ooh. the sports fan. Oh, wow. I like <laughs> it. Is this about me? Uh, it's directed towards you, yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a professional. I know how to speak to these things. You know what? We've been friends since, what, we were nine years old, and this is the first time you're talking to me about my mental health. <laughs> I needed help, man. Where the fuck are you? I could have saved thousands on uh, therapy. Well, th- Thursday was just the last... Uh, the last fucking straw. I-, I saw it as a call for help. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can interpret it that way. Yeah, so... We'll, we'll touch on. Wow. Okay. I'm looking forward to this. Touch on Graham's. I might have to get a drink for an Adam Kalal therapy session. <laughs> we'll touch on Graham's mental health. Uh, yeah. After that, we're going to talk a lot about the Braves uh, coming off a great road trip, um, going six and one on the West Coast, which was tremendous. Particularly that Diamondback series. I think that said a lot about the team. But we'll get into that a little later. So, Adam, today is. September 12th, 2018, in terms of when we're recording this. Most of you will hear this tomorrow, September 13th. Let's jump into this Falcons game. Falcons lost to the Eagles 18-12. to That sounds very similar to the shit score from last year, 15-10 to in the divisional round. And honestly, remember uh, Matrix when Neo's in that weird house and a cat goes by and then he looks away and he looks back and the cat comes by again and he's mm-hmm. like, oh. A little deja vu when they tell yeah. him it's a glitch in the Matrix. Uh, That's how I felt this game was. It was the same thing. We saw the cat last year do his little thing, meow and walk by, then we see, see him do it again last Thursday. Yeah, really, that, that first drive, you could get the sense that that was going to happen when we just marched down the field looking great. They've got, like, reverses to Julio going and just, like, all types of shakeups to the offense. I love that route Julio ran for that big game, too. He ran up the field and then 
like, you know, shot around to the left and Matt hit him perfectly in stride. And I was like, holy shit, they've been working on stuff. Everything's coming together. Oh, my God. And then we hit the red zone. And then we hit the red zone. And once you hit the red zone with this team from last, you know, going back to last year, you're like, all right, this is the thing everybody's been talking about. The radio, the newspapers, TV, uh, the team itself. The podcast. The podcasts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, can't forget about uh, the podcast, for Christ's sake. Talking about how this this is the thing that everybody's worked on. We were actually doing situational work with the red zone offense ad nauseum. Sark. Matt, Julio, we're going to figure it out. We're going to break this horrible stretch we've been through over the last season with red zone struggles in the uh, with the offense. Did we do that? It doesn't appear so. No. But I will say this. For people that have been crucifying Sark, and, you know, what was it, three plays of the one we couldn't get the ball in on that first drive? Yep. Well, there, four. Well, four, yeah. There was a play with Matt when he dropped back to pass. Where actually, I kind of like this. Talk about the one where they had the two where, tight ends? Yeah, where Devontae. And Devontae. Yeah, Devontae was, Devontae was the target <laughs> in the red zone, which I liked, which was great too because it was, it was a little trickeration. You started with everybody bunched up on the line and then they sort of split guys out and the defense was like, oh shit, what are they going to do? Devontae has a great matchup with a linebacker. We talked about this all last week. Can we get our freaking running backs with matchups against linebackers to create bad matchups for them? And there it was. Devontae beats his man. Matt makes a terrible throw and set a precedent that unfortunately would follow him the rest of the night. Yeah, this was uh, – oh, that, that was the play I showed you at Taco Matt, correct? Right. Over there watching the Clemson Tigers roll. Yeah, when we watched a slow motion replay of it. Right. Yeah. And that's when I realized, oh, because I just kind of assumed, you know, me being the Matt Ryan apologist that I am, kind of just assumed, eh, I'm sure Matt was Matt. Right. Uh, and it was Sarkeesian's fault that there weren't more uh, opportunities. But I didn't. When you delve in a little bit more, there were plenty of opportunities for right. Matt Ryan to make a play. And that's not to say Sark is not without his faults in this game. Once again, he showed, you know, his horrible strategical uh, abilities in, in, in many respects in this game. But that was one play where it was actually nicely dialed up. The hot option beat his man. The throw was just not there, and that's squarely on Matt Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a. Uh, I mean, that deep throw to Julio in the third quarter there where uh, Julio caught it, but, of course, the replay gods did not go yeah. our favor. And that was tough. Everybody says that that was a catch. Not, of course, the referees, but I kind of thought they wouldn't give it to us just because it looked like the ball was still squirting around in there, even though he had it. Uh, I mean, I it was, it was weird. On his shoulder. Yeah, but it, it was a strange play where Matt uh, hit Julio on a, on a route. But it was wide the hell open. He was wide it was open. kind of a weak throw, overthrew him a little bit. Yeah, if he had hit him in stride, it would have been a touchdown. He was wide the hell open. It would have been a touchdown. Yeah. And the offense just couldn't get it going the whole night once again. But the defense, particularly in the – let's focus on the defense a little bit before we get into crucifying Matt Ryan and whoever else – the defense looked quite formidable in the first half. Only gave it three points. They were shutting down plays, forcing three and outs. Nasty, nasty uh, with, with covering receivers. Robert Alford looked just – just he looked like he has taken the next step in the evolution of his game, particularly on a deep pass or uh, a, a pass defense that he had where normally that would be a P.I. for him, where instead, you know, where he, like, doesn't turn around. Right. This time he – Matched his man, stride for stride, turned around the perfect time and deflected the ball, saved a huge play, good pass coverage, good um, – I know eventually at the end we were giving up, you know, a lot of yards on the ground to Ajayi and we were getting worn down a little bit. But that first half, defense looked 
elite. They looked, man, they were just. Even all your boy Duke Riley made a couple plays. Yeah, like there were no weak links, and I and I really liked that too because you know we weren't getting a ton of pressure. We only had two sacks in the game. The defense was stopping people, and they looked mean. They looked aggressive. They looked, they looked nasty. Deion Jones was make was you know striking fear in the hearts of anyone who's coming in line with him. I mean, my God, he was making hits. Led the team in tackles with nine. Also had a crucial interception. Defense. I have nothing but good things to say about them. They did have some bad penalties, particularly um, tack with two offsides in the first drive. And as a whole, the Falcons had a horrible night with penalties. Some of those calls were bullshit. Some of them weren't. But 15 penalties for over 130 yards is, is Lack is of atrocious. discipline. Yeah. And even the offense in the first play of the game, it was false start on the very first play. It was yeah. like, Jesus, God. But what were your, what were your thoughts on, on defense? Yeah, I mean, they're doing their job, like you said. Um, and we came into this year thinking that the defense would be our strength. And uh, they kind of held up to it. But when you're when they're battling their asses off and the offense goes out there and gets in the red zone three or four times, comes away with one touchdown. Five times. Only five one times, touch, only one, one touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's going to wear them down at the end of the game. And uh, the Eagles definitely made their adjustments there in the second half because they were trying to run uh, outside the tackles a lot more. But that's where our our space tacklers come into play. Uh, But then they started pounding it a little bit and testing that uh, the interior of our line, which we said is a potential weakness. Mm -hmm. And they were able to get it rolling there in the second second half. But, yeah, overall, they did their job. They held them to what? 18 points. 18 points, yeah. You should win a ball game like that. Right, absolutely. Going against Nick Foles. And that's not to say that the Eagles' defense is a joke. It is not. It's quite formidable, particularly Fletcher Cox up the middle. But it's still just disheartening because I felt like the whole time I was watching the game outside of the beginning parts of that first drive where we marched to the red zone, I was like, it doesn't look like any work's been done to improve this offense. Guys are still dropping passes. Eric Saubert looking at you for dropping a critical third down. Uh, you know, we're forcing the ball to Julio. We are unable to do anything in the red zone. And running we're, not, we're not giving that a lot of time in the, in the pocket either. Yeah, running game pretty much wasn't there for the most part. Non-existent, only 74 total yards of, of offense. Devontae had, what, four carries, six carries? Six carries like for 36 yards, which isn't bad, but he got banged up. That's the guy we just paid? Right. He got banged up. I think Tevin only had nine rushes for 19 yards. And it just looked like, once again, it's, it's like, what was done in the offseason? It looked like Jack should have been done in the offseason. And you know what? It's just that vibe you get when you're watching Sarkeesian call these plays and just the team in general, it's just it just feels uncomfortable. It feels like everything's a goddamn struggle. No one can get really wide open except for Julio, and it, it's like I don't know. It's just it's just it feels like everyone's just kind of ambivalent, and there's just, it, it really looked like honestly that the last uh, whatever it's been since we last played since January seven eight months that honestly those seven or eight months didn't happen it was like we lost to the eagles and then next week we played them again it was the same fucking game well we lost to the eagles and then we talked about julio jones contract for five months and then right. we lost to the eagles right and, and honestly like i mean it's just it just looks so unbalanced it's like i feel like there was a time when like julio, people were worried julio wasn't getting enough looks but now that seems to be the only thing we're doing right it's just, just throw it up to julio and let him try to do something which generally works until we get to the red zone. Yeah, I think he had 19 targets in the game 
I know um, nobody else. Like yeah, he had ten catches for 169 yards, which is just absolutely absurd. Uh, the other guys who logged catches were Sanu with four for 18, Hooper three catches for 24 yards, Coleman one catch for 26 yards, and you have you know a couple others. But you know, it's just but like it's just com- my boy Ridley. Your boy Ridley was targeted nothing. was targeted once, and he dropped the ball. It, it, it was just a yeah. You're exactly right though. It, I, I'm not going to put that on him completely, but very unbalanced offense. And Matt Ryan just couldn't seem to hit anybody with any semblance of accuracy. He only had a 48.8 completion percentage. I mean, that's Cam Newton numbers. That's worse than Cam. That's awful. Yeah, I think I saw it was one of – Matt Ryan's been in the league for what? 10, 10 11 years? 10 years. 10th year. That was his uh, – that was in his top five worst games ever. And he has games, I've noticed, especially going back to like last year, where he's just inaccurate. And he's had that a little bit in the past before last year, but I've noticed mostly last year where it's just like the arm strength doesn't seem to be there as much as it was in prior years, and the accuracy doesn't seem to be there as much as it was in prior years. Now, he will still have – for the most part, you know, pretty accurate games. He wasn't throwing the ball accurately at all. You know, he was uh, making guys run too far, like the Julio uh, non-catch that we mentioned. He was throwing balls behind guys. Uh, you know, it, it, it just it was it was it was a bad effort by a guy that just was given a hundred fifty million dollar contract extension, second highest paid player in the NFL. And this is what we fucking get for it. And as you know, you said it yourself. You're a Matt Ryan apologist. I'm probably the biggest Matt Ryan apologist there is. But I was very, especially after you know sobering up and going back and watching some of the game again. <laughs> you know, at first I was just blaming Stark and screaming at the television like a maniac, sure. which we'll get into a little later. That'll be in the mental health segment. In the mental mental health segment. But looking back on it, man, like that throw to Devontae. Anyone can, you know, any quarterback worth his ass that's playing in the NFL. Should be able to make that throw. It just he just looked rushed, looked uncomfortable. Uh, even in times when he, you know, even in times when the pocket wasn't collapsing around him, it, it was just like Matt looked like a shell of himself. Anyone who has uh, you know bitched about him over the years or called him overrated, you can pull this game out and and use it as Exhibit A because he looked like absolute shit in this game. He's better. He better clean up his effort going into Week Two because. This is the, one of the first times in my in not my career <laughs> in Matt's career where I've been incredibly upset with his play, and he's had some bad games. He had a five pick game against Arizona. He had a horrible game uh, last year on Thursday night against New Orleans. But it's, it's just awful. And then we also haven't talked about the interception in the red zone to Julio. Underthrows Julio completely, picked off in the red zone when we have to score some freaking points, and you just can't make that throw. You just can't make that throw, and we have to start. That was the one right after Dion's pick, too, wasn't it? No, we actually scored off that one. That was the one where we got the turnover on special teams. Okay, the oh, yeah. guy I just remember it was go- us going from an extreme high yeah, to, to an extreme low. Yeah, and it, it's just like Matt will have a couple of those games a year, but it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, man, you're still in your prime. You're still a really great quarterback. Why the fuck is this still happening? Right. It's it's just so. Freaking frustrating, especially when we have to come out, make a statement, try to get some retribution, and establish that we are for real this year and we are gunning for that championship. This doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. And I know it's only week one. I'm sure Matt's going to pick his shit up. And I know last week I said, you know, we're going to lose this game. Everyone's going to freak out and declare the season over, blah, blah, blah. 
and honestly, like when Thursday night wrapped up, I was just kind of like, fuck, this is just the same team again. That's how it felt. It felt the same team. Defense gives their all. Offense sucks. I mean, that's really all, all it was. And, and Matt's to blame. Sark's to blame. Dan Quinn's to blame. And that poor defense, is their, their effort is in vain. Well, not only is it in vain, but they are now weakened as well. Significantly. With, uh, so the big news from after that game was that uh, first it came out that Keanu Neal out for the season. ACL? MCO? ACL. ACL. Uh, so that's a big blow in itself. That's that's really devastating. He uh, he's a big part of our identity. Pro, bowl, pro bowler last year, excellent player. Really coming to his own. Really, this was the year to me where I thought, you know, if Keanu can just become more of a factor in picking off passes, because we know he's great. He's a great tackler. He delivers punishment. I think Willie Sneed still see him, sees him in his dreams, and uh, and whenever he gets a concussion, he thinks about Keanu Neal, but. This was the year I thought, like, this is when he's going to be, like, a top three safety in the league. He's going to get, like, five or six picks and once and be an all-pro. But, unfortunately, his season was cut short after one one game, and it's, it's horrible for him. I feel for him big time. He's a huge part of this team. So that hurt. I mean, but we've, we've been kind of lucky in the health situation the last couple of years. So, I mean, right. that's next man up mentality. they got to take, obviously. And we got K- Kazee. KZ? KZ. Yeah, Demonte KZ, who we mentioned in the last episode. You were all about him. Oh, yeah, and I think... And he forced that pick, really. Right, right. He made the tackle, and Deion Jones picked off the ball. Yeah. So the plan now is for Demonte KZ to play strong safety and for Ricardo Allen to shift over to free safety, and we'll see what happens. But if we had to lose one premier defensive position player, you know, losing... uh, Keanu, while not ideal, I prefer to lose him over Deion Jones or Grady Jarrett. I consider them the big three of the defense because we have good depth there with KZ. He's come a long way. The progression is tremendous. And the secondary is still strong. And the secondary looks better than it did last year. I mean, Robert Alford, as I said, impressive performance on Thursday night. But losing uh, Jones, that one hurts. Yeah, so it came out yesterday, Deion Jones is officially on the IR uh, not the season-ending IR. He's eligible with a foot injury, which is still non-disclosed in terms of what exactly it is. But he can't return at the earliest until Week Ten against the Cowboys. So that's also real. That's the most devastating blow. He is the captain of that defense. Yeah, it's big time bummer there, Graham. Coach Bro said uh, they were asking a bunch of questions about that today, and it was asked whether or not they're gonna return uh, Vic Beasley back to the linebacker position. Mm. He gave a firm no. Even though he's, he played in coverage last week, which I thought was kind of funny after all the hype. Yeah, about that's a good staying point. Staying at the defensive end position. Yeah, that didn't happen. I didn't see him at all in this game. No. Non-existent performance. Yeah. But uh, no, it's going to be Duke Riley. Which, you well, know what? He, he hopefully did. Hopefully he's made gains. He that's, did. that's why you draft uh, a shit ton of young fast guys. Injuries do happen. Right. And they've, you know, it's been said he's Deion Jones 2.0. And now's his chance to try and prove that. And he did look better in the Eagles game. He didn't do anything uh, that made you think, oh, Jesus, again, like he usually does, where he takes a lot of bad angles or uh, routes towards ball carriers. But, uh, you know, so now it's Deion Jones shifting into middle linebacker position. Foye Aluquin and Kamal Ishmael, I think, are going to be playing uh, outside linebacker. They're going to be rotating, I think. And, of course, you still got Devondre Campbell, thank God, at the other outside linebacker position. 
Yeah, and as, as far as the safety, I know I heard we just signed some veteran. Well, coming into this year, we signed some veteran out of New England, which apparently is pretty clutch that we got this guy. Okay. Like he played a lot of games recently. Mm-hmm. I don't have names or anything. Right. Man, that's good Good information. No, it's good to know, though, right? Sure. So when that guy shows up next week, everyone will be like, oh, that's that guy Adam that's was that, talking to. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, did we know his name? No. Must be the guy Adam was talking yep, about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, but b- bottom line, offense has to do better. Yeah, and before we get before you go on another depressing uh, rant rant on the offense, and I'm not ready my, to do my uh, counseling session yet. All right, no, that, that, I wasn't jumping into that. Okay. I was just uh, jumping in to exactly what we said last week, as you pointed out already today. You expected us to lose this game. I did. Philadelphia, they're the. I mean, that's a tough draw in the first game. It is defending champs, hyped up. Their their defense is impregnable. Really damn good. Yep. Um, and also, as we stated, the last two years, we sucked in the first game. True. Against the Bears last year that we barely squeaked out solely because they were a terrible ball club. Mm-hmm. And against Tampa Bay two years ago. Right. So. He throttled us. We came back to go to the Super Bowl one of those years, made it to the playoffs another year. So, chill. Still. If we lose to the Panthers this week, Adam's not going to be too happy. Oh, are you going to get upset now? Not upset because I have uh, Braves baseball to keep me grounded. Sure. <clears throat> but I'd be like, well, this one's kind of a lost cause, which is still early to say that. Right, but, right. I, but I just don't want to uh, – because we're going to the game three game against the Saints. Yes, we are. And I don't want us going to that with the possibility of going losing and being 0-3. Yeah, that would suck. And 0-2 in the division. Yeah, I think – last thing I'll, I'll bitch about with Stark – when we were making that last drive, we're down 18 to 12. And we're driving down the field. Matt did make a hell of a throw to Julio in third and 17 to, to extend that drive. Mm-hmm. I did not think there's a chance in hell that would even be in the ballpark. But it was actually a beautifully thrown pass. Hooray, hurrah. But we got into the red zone. And right when that happened, my expert, because I, I said when we were driving down the field in my head, I was like, our only freaking hope is if Julio catches it on slant and just beats everybody and runs it in the end zone. That's like our only... That's it. We can't score unless we do that. And unfortunately, we get to the red zone again. We get five chances because of a bullshit call by the referees who, who were awful the whole night, inconsistent. Called a lot of penalties when they shouldn't have and didn't call penalties when they should have. Both ways. Both ways. And it's not just towards us. It was, yeah, it was, it was all around. And, like, so... Everybody who listened to this probably watched the game, but just in case you didn't, we we, we were like four wide on each uh, of those times in the red zone. So clearing, clear passing situations. I don't think there's anyone in the backfield. And the way, and this is from Kurt Warner, so I'm not going to pretend like I'm some genius, but the way that uh, <laughs> the Eagles were lined up, they were playing a very specific zone and uh, were basically our receivers were running right into their zone. and We weren't, we weren't overloading a zone or trying to pick a hole in the zone. It's like the receivers were just running right into the zones. And it was like the same play three or four times in a row. And it was like, what the hell are we doing? We're just arbitrarily running our heads against the wall over and over and over again. I think Sark has, you know, he's insane. That's the definition of insanity. Trying the same thing over and over again doesn't work. And there was no, like, nice play call like he did with the botched Freeman pass by Matt. It was like, let's do the same thing over and over again. A red one, their little fade, but it's heading right into the teeth of the defense. No adjustments, total horse shit. 
horseshit. Horseshit. Horseshit, you say? And it ended the same fucking way as last year. Incomplete pass to Julio in the red zone. He actually catches it, but Matt was so inaccurate with his pass that it didn't matter. He was out of bounds. Yeah, that's what sucks is to have a chance to win it again and still And not the same goddamn job. thing happened. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? I feel like you would have been depressed even if we had won that game. Like, if we had squeaked I, it out there at the end. Yeah, I would have been upset just because of the, you know. So you would have But been, it would have been nice to at least have said, you know, we went back, we were in the same situation, we overcame it. That would have been a big character-building moment for the football team, I think. But I am to the, getting to the point where my patience runs thin with this group. My patience runs thin with Sark. My patience runs really thin with Matt right now, more so than it ever has in the history of my life. And I love that man very much. And my patience is beyond gone with Dan Quinn and his bullshit excuses every week in the press conference. We've got to do better with this. We've got to do better with that. It's like, well, do it. Stop talking about it and make something happen. He is inept offensively. And he leaves this world, what should be a world-class offense to this bum Sarkeesian who has infected the, the, the soul of Matt Ryan and made him into like some average mediocre quarterback. I, it's just, it's, it's, I can't, it's horrible. I can't put into words how upset I am. This is unacceptable. What if Sark's not the problem? What if you fire Sark, say Arthur Blank sees enough, we start 0-3, Arthur Blank sees enough, fire Sark. Yeah. And then, what's his face, uh, Knapp steps right. in. Right. And like, where the and, hell? And it's just the same shit. Like, what, it, if, what if Sark's not the problem? Maybe, maybe he's not. Maybe I'm reaching here, but it's like, I don't know. Like, like, like we said. So, so this is it. After all the crying and all the bullshit and all the, all the, all the grandstanding about how we're going to get the offense back to where, where it really needs to be. Is this all there really is? Graham, remember last week at this time when we were all excited about the Falcons and worried about the Braves after that brutal loss to the Red Sox? It's what a fucking roller coaster what, life what, of being what did a I, sports what, fan. Do you remember I said... This could take this team one of two ways. It could be the beginning of uh, going downhill, or it could be their occasion, occasion to rise up. Mm-hmm. And what do the Braves do, Graham? They rose up. So maybe the Falcons could do the same thing? I, You know what? I'd like to believe it. I just think it's just the same thing. We're hearing the same, same shit from last year. It's the same excuses. I don't see any change. And I don't expect to see any change. I'll be shocked if I do. So... This seems like a good segue into your mental health if you're yeah, ready for that. Sure. Yeah, please, please psychoanalyze me. <laughs> well, all I know, Graham, is uh, we watched this game together at uh, Hampton and Hudson with probably, what, like 10, 12 friends? Something like that. Freddie the Falcon was also Freddy there. Freddie the Falcon was there. We got a picture with him. Very the, fair. The only time I think I saw you happy for more than like... Like, I mean, a pick every now and then, you get really excited. Sure. But as soon as that game started, you were bad. Oh, yeah. Like, that offsides call, oh. immediately upset. Unacceptable. Already bitching about last year and first, how it's the same shit. First play of the game. Well, what are you watching for if you're getting zero joy out of this, Graham? I'm emotionally invested. But, like, what is this season going to, like, say we just suck this year? Go, like, 3-13 and and or something? Yeah. yeah. What are you, like, are you going to make it? Yeah, I'll make it. This keeps me alive. This keeps me going. The, the hatred, the anger, the sadness, the depression. I, I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I've already been diagnosed as like a masochist. Like I enjoy feeling, uh, you know, I, it's, I, I, subconsciously I must get off to feeling, uh, you know, being riled up like this. Mm. Would you say it affects your daily life 
the if the Falcons lose on Thursday, yeah. what, what were you like at work on Friday? I was really hungover. <laughs> I had to work for ten hours, which was fucking awful. I bitched about the game with Joseph for like thirty minutes, probably over the course of the day. And uh, I was entertaining. People got a big kick out of my oh, that's antics. Good. Yeah, I could. I could just sense your pain and anxiety from like the other side of the city. I didn't even talk to you <laughs> on Friday, but I could just tell. I was like, yep. "Rams hurting out there, man." Yeah, I mean, it's just rough, man. I get emotionally invested. I've spent so much time watching this team and supporting them and buying their shit, buying merchandise, buying tickets. It's not like I'm just some guy sitting on my ass. I feel like not that I'm like a part of the team, but I am a I am a hardcore supporter of the Falcons and I, I I love them and I want them to do well and they mean a lot to me. I've experienced some of the greatest, you know, joys of my life. I've been watching Falcons games with friends and family and Braves games. And it means something to me because I, I value those relationships and a lot of those relationships not it's like they were built on the sports sports or anything, but it's like it's a big part of it. I we have, we have a good all, time watching all, the sports. All I'm saying is it means a lot but to me. I realize, but based off the way you were watching that first game, I just want to make sure that we can enjoy watching Falcons games together this year. Yeah. And it's not just going to be all... Going apeshit. Groan and moan. Cursing and everything. Yeah. yeah. No, and, I... And bitching about Sarkeesian and I acknowledge, all this shit. I acknowledge that I was out of control, particularly okay. in the first half. I thought the second half, I dialed it down a little bit. Right. I was I was a little more under control. Yeah. I also think I was hyped up just because it was the first game of the year. Sure. There's a damn rain delay. You there's don't there's a rain often. delay. I was already like four drinks in at that point. Right. That probably didn't help anything. I acknowledge. I'll admit it. I'm okay. A, I'm a rageaholic. I'm a maniac. Yeah. I need to... I need to work on that. That's all. People get stressed out watching the games with you sometimes. That's fair. I need. I acknowledge that I was an absolute maniac. Absolute. I, I get it. And I know that was probably unpleasant, especially for the more casual folk in our group who are probably mm. like, what a freaking psycho. Right. Um, I've never cared about anything that much in my life. Right. It's like, what is wrong with you? Right. Uh, so I understand that. And I will make a conscientious effort to do a better job of carrying myself with dignity and respect <laughs> while I'm watching Falcons games. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to get upset about stuff. Sure. It doesn't mean I'm not going to yell about stuff. But Sportsmanship, Graham. But I need to be a little I need to I need to refrain from being someone that no one wants to be around when they're watching a game. Because the point of watching a game is to have fun. And exactly. if you got some maniac <laughs> calling everybody a motherfucker, goddamn shit face, or whatever I was saying, then, well, yeah, exactly. What's the point in terms of getting that worked up to where it's, like, infected my soul? Yeah. And it's like, if you if you are going to be in that mode, which could right. happen, right. just watch it at home by yourself. Right. Yeah, just, just isolate. Yeah, get, people do that. Get the fuck away. Yeah. Uh, no, and I get that. Okay. I think also I just am... And this is no excuse for it. I think it's also just years and years and years of this shit is just starting to wear on me a little bit more than I think it ever has, especially the expectations of this team. I have, you know, this year and last year, the only years I've ever come into a season where I've been like, yeah, if we don't win the Super Bowl, we're a bunch of bums. I just, now that we had those expectations consistently and... It's like all we need is an offense to hold their, up there in the bargain. We can win the damn Super Bowl, and not to see that and see no progression at all was just devastating to me as a as a as a fan. Like I was absolutely devastated beyond rip, you know belief, which is absurd. But also for game one, yeah, it's game one. one, yeah, yeah. I need like over the essentially our preseason game, yeah. Since nobody played in the preseason, right, and. 
you know, now especially with Deion Jones and Keanu Neal getting hurt this week, I've kind of just sort of made peace with Expectations like, are back now. Expectations we are, could be underdogs. We could be underdogs again, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. But I know for me, for my personal health, I got to do a better job of coping with the results on the field because at the end of the day, what I think, what I feel, what I say does not matter in terms of how this team's going to perform. And how they perform should not affect me so adversely to the point where I become a golem. Right. This has been good. That was good. Yeah. That felt healthy. Yeah. It felt good to get that off my chest. I was able to bitch about a lot of stuff, yeah. and then I was able to sort of come to a realization. You, see, and you, know, you know what the you sad see. part is, Adam? I've been doing a lot of meditation recently. That's really helped. This, this has really helped, honestly. It's helped a lot of my anxiety. It's helped a lot of my um, you know, feeling just like obsessive about things that don't matter. And just able to really help me clear my mind. But when it comes to Atlanta sports, that clearly didn't <laughs> do anything work. for me. Right. But I just need to be conscientious about well, it. Well, anytime. And, I, and I've been told this before, like especially like the Braves and the, uh, was it 2011 season when we were we had the epic collapse and we had the wild card lead? Right. I was a Raven maniac. I'm and sure. then I realized, uh, it was actually user Alexa that told me, I don't think I want to watch games with you if you're yeah. going to be like this. And that made me go like, oh, Jesus, okay, yeah. calm down. And I think I'm at that I'm at the precipice. Yeah, I, again. I, I just saw because you've always been upset throughout games. Yeah, but uh, I saw zero joy from you that whole night. Yeah, I mean, even the moment when we got a picture with Freddie the Falcon, that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I got really hyped when Julio made that uh, first big catch. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that, I was just a miserable. Well, one, one, yeah, once the red zone failure. Yeah, once, that's when I knew I was like, well, <laughs> here we go again. Yep. Uh, that was good though, Graham. Yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, putting in the time to allow me to, uh, you know, yeah, you know, to, to 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 become one with reality again. Atlanta's own therapy session, and who knows, Graham? Maybe we helped a user out there with their uh, mental health as well. Right, because it's it's important. This is know, for fun. This is for fun. We it's it's a hobby. It's a good time, and if they don't win, it's not the end of the world. Even though. We'll carry it around inside and it'll scar us because we're too emotionally invested. We can't let it dominate our lives to the point that we get nothing out of it. And you'll bond with people over it. While, yeah. while you were in a rageaholic mode on Thursday, I sat down at the bar with a guy that I recognized who uh, was. Oh, a yeah, bit, I saw that. Oh, yeah, because he was, he was also wearing a Michael Turner, Michael Turner jersey. I think it was you and him, and that was about it. Yeah. And I was like, well, you don't see that often. So then I got talking to him, and he was. Uh, you could tell, big time Atlanta sports guy, mm. um, and because he came up with an amazing scenario that I was like, "Oh, this guy gets the losing." Right. He uh, asked me what it would feel like if, like, the lowest of low for this year would be the Saints beating the Falcons in the NFC Championship at the Benz. Aye. And then winning the Super Bowl uh, on our field. Uh, it's like, yeah, this guy. <laughs> he really, uh, talk about your masochism. You're just thinking about that yeah. on your own. This guy gets it. Yeah. But it was a calm conversation nonetheless. That's good. Yeah, just just enough to get that uh, that quick bond sure. of all the losing in. Sure. Um, so that was good. good. We, we do have a number of questions from the users do we want to do those now or save that till the end? Uh, they have to do with the Falcons. Most of them are Falcons related. Okay, let's let's jump into it. All right, let's get it out of the way. 
All right. Big Hugo week. Yeah, I got a couple of questions from Hugo as well. Let's see here. Have you heard from Mark Andre since our escape from his uh, no, he, prison of, of hell in San Diego? Man, no, I haven't, but these, these questions might not do good for you. But here we go, Graham. Okay. This would be a good test. I'm sure there's a lot of <laughs> shitting on Matt Ryan, and i got to deal with it. If the Patriots win the Super Bowl this year at the Dome... It's not the Dome. Of course he calls it the Dome. Right. How will the Falcons react? How will it impact your passion for Atlanta sports? If Tom Brady retires after the game, will they change the name to <laughs> Tom Brady Field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Uh, how will it make the Falcons feel? They'll probably feel devastated. What was the second one? How will it make me how feel? How will it impact your passion for Atlanta sports? I'll still have the same amount of passion for Atlanta sports, but I'll have even more hatred for the Patriots, Patriots. which Wait, I didn't that think That is growing possible. a lot. That yeah. would be, especially if they, for whatever reason, if it is if it is the rematch I dream about and they win. I feel like this Panthers game this week is a big test. Like, that would be the ultimate test. Oh, you're saying the Patriots would be the ultimate test. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like a week two right now for you, that's just a test. Right. But, yeah, that, that would be yeah, the real deal. If the Patriots win, that would yeah, that'd be just <laughs> And they're not going to – no, Hugo, they're not going to change the name of the stadium to Tom Brady Field at yeah, Mercedes-Benz that's, Stadium. Yeah, that's cute, Hugo. That's cute. Go, uh, go, go back to Tucker. Here's another one for you. Should the Falcons sign Colin Kaepernick, Hugo? No. Um, and it's not for any political reasons, even though I think he can still play. I just think – Matt Schaub is a decent understanding of that offense and why rock the boat. Well, he's obviously implying to start for Matt Ryan. No, not at all. Kaepernick hasn't been a really good quarterback since the year he beat us to go to the Super Bowl. Plus, he's currently suing the NFL, so I don't think any team will be allowed to sign him at this point. Right, even though I understand his reasoning for doing so. Sure. Yeah. But no. No, Hugo, no. No. The, the answer is I no. love how I interpreted that as, oh, the backup guy. No. No. He's the starter. That's not so much he doesn't like that, Ryan. I see. Okay. Why did Julio Jones give up on that pass, which was intercepted? Because he was training with T.O. in the offseason? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, no, apparently <laughs> they – I think Matt just made a shitty throw, and Julio came out after the game and said he lost it in the lights, which that's – fine even if he hadn't I think you know he was going so much farther back on where the ball was that thing was an easy pick for the the, the corner on the Eagles so nothing to do with the T.O. training shit if anything the T.O. training like, he, Julio he looked, looked good, amazing man. like let's talk about Julio for a second before I jump to my ego question you know world freaking class man I mean say what you will about him and Matt I'm able to get, do anything in the red zone they're like one for 20 of their last two years and in, in red zone targets which is you know we already know that's like the worst thing we've ever seen but other than that, dude, yeah, after incredible after the in the middle of the first drive, this was when Graham was still happy. I think uh, we looked at each other, and I, I let you know that I I already immediately felt bad. For, it was right after the reverse, yeah, yeah. For, for giving Julio shit throughout the offseason. Yeah, it was like we're not worthy, we're not worthy, yeah, we're scum. Go get your money this offseason, Julio. Yeah, yeah, he was a beast. Um, is it safe to say Matt Ryan would not only be third string on the Eagles, Jesus. but also third string on the Bucks? Uh, that's funny. So he's wrong. He's saying behind Wentz I, I and understand. Foles. It's not like Nick Foles went out there as a world beater. He was pretty awful. 
Yeah. I mean, we made him look like... But he won the Super Bowl. But he won the Super Bowl. I'll give him that. So did Trent Dilfer. Right. But at least, like, Foles was a huge part of them winning the Super Bowl. I mean, he was... We were the only team that... That's the frustrating part about it, is we were the only team that really did anything to him and made him look kind of mortal. I know he still had a great completion percentage and didn't throw a lot of incompletions. And he had a respectable game. But we held the Eagles overall to 15 points. Everyone else was giving up at least 30 to them. So... Maybe the Eagles are just our arch nemesis. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we go uh, 15 and 1. Maybe. As long as we don't have to ever go back there again, that, that's fine with me. Yeah. If we go 15 and 1, we'd probably have home, home field advantage. Well, yeah, one would think. But I can't even imagine us winning a game right now. I'm, so, I'm still so depressed about it. Ooh, uh, $50 bet. Um, ooh. Ooh, no, no. $5 bet, 10 to 1 odds. can't go 50 to. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's a terrible. I need like. To win 15 straight, give me... Oh, you want to do that? Okay. I'll give you uh, 20 to 1 odds we do not win 15 straight at... Uh, what's 10... If I, if I had 10 bucks... I'm down at 5. 5 with 40 to 1 odds. What's that for you? 400 <laughs> bucks or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it'd be a happy $400. It's not, is it 400 or 500 uh, let's pull out the cal- the, yeah. uh, the Atlanta Zone calculator. We're freaking morons. Let's see here. What do we got? Forty times five. Oh, two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, four times yeah. five is twenty plus a zero, two hundred. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'll take that. I'd be willing to give up. $5. So you're gonna give up five bucks? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I hope it happens. I really do. Yeah, should have gone eighty to one. MLB Network is currently showing a picture of this uh, uh, Phillies baby at the Phillies game. He looks incredibly depressed, dressed up in his little Philly outfit. Phillies are losing four nothing. The Nationals, beautiful thing. Um, oh, I have one Hugo question for you. After watching the Falcons' pathetic opening game loss, I listened to the podcast and heard Adam foolishly predict Birds would win and score thirty one points. Mm. Has he ever watched Atlanta professional sports? Hugo, that's <laughs> <laughs> a good question, Hugo. I watched. Um, you know what? I watched the Braves game earlier today. So yes. <laughs> I have watched Atlanta professional sports. That is pretty funny that he'd ask that though. He's like, yeah, when you, you're coming out swinging with 31 points because one of the best defenses in the league. I was like, oh, Jesus. It's a hot take. I was optimistic, Graham. Sure. I thought if I put it out there, then, you know, something could happen. Sure. You know, that's one of the beautiful things. I was wrong. I've predicted a lot of things right on this show as well. That's true. Uh, People only point out the negative things. It's kind of exactly. like it's kind of like our text group that we have uh, likes to point out a lot of shit about. I, th- Matt I think Ryan. they are affecting your they are. mental health because they keep shitting all over Matt Ryan. It's like yeah, yeah. I can't tell game. if they're serious either. They had an awful game, and I get it. And there have been times when he hasn't come through when you like him to. But what, I mean, they treat him like he's Ryan Leaf. Well, that's why. Like I, I had to Sunday night. They were just shitting on Matt Ryan for the last four days, and then no one's saying anything about the Braves. Taking three out of four in Arizona, no one gives right. a shit about that because yeah. it's a good thing, right? Yeah, it's, everyone only wants to focus on the negative. It's the problem with our society, Graham. Indeed, everyone's just negative Nellies out there. Yep. So it's very unfair. It is quite unfair. Before we jump to the Braves, let's talk a little bit about this uh, upcoming week's game against the Panthers. Panthers won their last game against Dallas, sixteen to eight. They also had uh, Dallas kind of sucks though. Don't they, they? they they looked awful. They looked awful. They were ravaged by injuries as well, though. They've lost Greg Olson, uh, who's quote-unquote month-to-month, whatever the hell that means. He was saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to drag that guy's career out. Yeah, I mean, he's still can. a beast, but he can't stay healthy I think anymore. It, I'm going to predict he plays 
five more games in his career, which is fine with me. I mean, I don't wish injury on anybody, but you know, he's he's so good, and unfortunately, he's on the Panthers. So yeah, quote unquote month to month, and Luke Keekley also got injured. Apparently, he's gonna, I think, gonna play this weekend. But um, yeah, so they won sixteen to eight. It wasn't a very good game. I didn't watch a lot of it, but I watched enough to sort of get the I vibe. Think they lost an offensive lineman too. They did. You're correct. Nice. Um, so that's good. And their offensive line was already in shambles. But one thing I did notice about this team this year is that they have uh, taken the leash completely off of Cam. He is pretty much the acting running back. They don't have a number one running back. Christian McCaffrey is kind of like a, a hybrid receiver back duo. He's only getting like eight, ten yard or ten carries a game, and he's doing the majority of his work uh, catching, catching the ball on the flat or on uh, on short routes. So Cam, for all, all intents and purposes, is both a quarterback and running back, and they don't give a fuck about his health anymore. He took a you know a good amount of punishment in that game. And uh, he's unleashed. North Turner, the new coordinator, is completely unleashing him and throwing his uh, health to the wind. Well, interesting uh, strategy, if that's the case. I guess they figure they got a window, kind of like we have a window. Right. We're blowing our window with Sarkeesian. Uh, so they figured <coughs> the only way to win with Cam is to just go all out. Yeah, and uh, he was effective in terms of running the ball. And they, you know, like we said, didn't score a lot of points. But you know, every time we face Cam, he brings his A game, and I'm definitely nervous not having Deion Jones or Keanu Neal out in the middle of the field to inflict punishment upon Cam. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I think that could be something he really takes advantage of. He's gonna do that Superman bullshit. Yeah, he's gonna get a first down and do his little first down move with his with his hands, and he's gonna start <laughs> talking shit and get me upset. <laughs> but uh, this whole therapy, this whole therapy thing. Well, you know what? Therapy isn't, you know, when you do therapy, Adam, your issues aren't resolved after weekly one session. Thing. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we have to have a weekly Falcons therapy session, and particularly if we suck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they win, that's therapy in itself. Sure. That's cathartic on its own, right? Exactly. Right. But uh, I'm not too afraid of the Panthers outside of Cam. I respect their defense. I respect the defense. And I respect Cam. I don't really respect. You know, everyone else is, is is whatever. Honestly, so what are you what are you thinking about this game? I don't think we should make predictions. Anymore. I'm not even going to make predictions. I'm just saying, like, what are your what are your thoughts heading into the week? I think that we should beat the Panthers, Graham. I would agree, um, but I'm very scared as well. I'm nervous, Graham. Okay, because of what I saw last week and uh, the pit- potential just. Downward spiral. Yeah, I think it could happen. I think it's good that we'll be home, and hopefully, you know what? I, I really hope that the injuries to to Neil and Deion Jones uh, really put the onus on Matt Ryan to step up his game, make sure he's accurate as shit this week, and I just hope we can call enough half decent plays to put together twenty four points at this point. Like if we can do that, even if they're even if we have to kick four four field goals or something. So be it. Just we gotta do we gotta be more effective offensively. We gotta have some better play calling than Matt. And if we're not gonna have better play calling than Matt, at least better be more accurate. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Matt Ryan is a team leader. He took responsibility for his shitty performance, and it's on him to step up. And I think he knows that. And I'm just hoping he will. Yeah. All right, Adam, let's uh let's let's get happy. Braves. Braves, Braves, Braves. I've been doing so well overall uh, over the last... So we, we were freaking out 
last week a little bit because we were like uh, we were reeling a little bit. We were going on the road. We were talking about that Red Sox series and how devastating it was. And we were going up. We were having four games against a very tough Arizona Diamondbacks team, and then three games on the road in San Francisco. Who, even though you know, don't, aren't very good this year, and we're in a tailspin. We hadn't won a season series against them since 2011. Yep, and. That's a tough seven-game stretch. And we just have sucked on the West Coast historically, like, for you know the last 15 years or so. So heading into this, heading into this goddamn uh, stretch, you know, really concerned. But we came out of it 6-1. and one. Incredible, incredible play by the, uh, by the team, particularly the offense coming through time and time again with clutch hitting and late-game scenarios. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with that Diamondback series. It was wild. That was that was one of the best series of the of the entire year. It was heart attack inducing. Talk about getting pissed off, especially at the bullpen. But even still, um, the offense made it worth it. They were just they they stepped up after having you know a bit of a rough series against the Red Sox. I mean, it was just a lot. Of, like pretty much every game on that series was just a gutsy performance. Yeah, that we pulled out six out of seven of them. I mean that. Sunday night game. That one really took the cake with Enciarte hitting the ball farther than I've ever seen him hit the ball. Oh, 430 feet. He absolutely crushed yeah. it. The best after missing laying down a bunt. Yeah. The thing that upset me about that game and really upset me, this is like one of the, there are only two things that really upset me over the, the course of that, uh, that stretch, which was. I thought this was your happy talk. It is, but I just want to get the shit out of the way. And then we can gush. Okay. Is once again the bullpen, no one could get a freaking hold to save their lives. We blew multiple leads against the Diamondbacks. It seemed like every single game, it was like, whose bullpen wanted to lose it more? Their bullpen sucked, our bullpen sucked. There's no two ways around it. But what pissed me off about that last game, Tukey pitched pretty well in that game. He did have too many walks, but he was able to get out of everything. With two outs, I think in the sixth inning, two guys on, your boy Snicker pulls him and puts in freaking Luke Jackson. And Luke Jackson faces a bunch of left-handed hitters who he just sucks against. We played right in their hands. They took the lead back from us. We had a two-run advantage, which turned into a two-run deficit. Yeah, Luke Jackson scares the shit out of me solely because of Snit's odd obsession with him. It's like him and Sam Freeman. He just Freeman's been good, though. Freeman's been all right. Get get off Sam Freeman. I'm not going to get off him yet because I don't trust him. So Graham still has... Horrible memories from his June and July, where he was atrocious. And I also hated Snitker's obsession with him. But since he's come back, he has been good, Graham. Last 30 days since he's been back, he has a... Actually, it goes back... No, that's fair. He has a zero ERA in his last 30 30 days. Okay. 7.2 innings pitched, 7 hits, 0 runs. It's not good that... 10 Ks in 7 innings. That's fine, but it's not good that he's given up seven hits in those seven innings. That's pretty much a hit an inning and 7.2 innings, seven hits, three walks, and a 250 average against. I'm still not convinced that he should be pitching in any meaningful scenario, either in the regular season or the postseason, and we've seen it all year. And just because you're not giving up runs doesn't mean you're not getting into dangerous situations. So you just want, like, some robot pitcher that – no, just goes out there no. and it, it, that's that's impractical and improbable. So I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna say I want that. I'm just saying 
there are better options than Sam Freeman to come in in high-leverage situations. Same thing with Luke Jackson. You do not put Luke Jackson in that situation. You do not put in Sam Freeman in that situation. I know the bullpen is gassed, and they sure as shit showed it in that Arizona series. No one could hold a freaking lead. However, I would rather go with Winkler, Brock, Venner's, Menner. But as Those you just said, only, you can't do that every night. I know, but I'm just saying when in meaningful games. Down They're the all stretch, meaningful now. Yes. But so we're just going to pitch them every single night. I'm not saying they all have to pitch every single night, but even Shane Carl. Like, I would take the freeze over pitching Sam Freeman or Luke Jackson. They're just not reliable. Luke Jackson's gotten out of a lot of jams that, honestly, he's had no right to get out of. His nine lives are over. Sam Freeman has been horrible the whole season. Except for the last 30 days. He hasn't pitched every day over the last 30 days. He's pitched seven innings over the last – 7.2 innings over the last – He's been fine since he's been there. He's been okay. He's been okay. Still, seven hits are not good. You have to have okay pitchers in your bullpen too, Graham. Well, that's just part of it, but I, I still don't trust him. That's fine. I have no interest in seeing him out there. I just, I just know he's going to regress to what he was, and he's and he's close to it right now. I'm just going to. I mean, I think the only way we see him in a playoff situation is if we go to like some crazy, horrible seventeen inning game. I completely disagree. I think Snicker's going to put him in in some meaningful scenario that could completely screw us. Well, we'll see, Graham. We'll see. We have to get there first. Yeah. But regardless of the bullpen struggles, the offense was amazing. So, yeah, let's talk about that Sunday game. We're down 3-2. to two. The offense hasn't done much, you know, majority of the game. And we get two guys on. Ender comes to the, comes to the plate. Tries to bunt. Tries to bunt a couple of times. Takes a couple of pitches. Works 3-2 count. Low fastball that he just destroys into right field, 432 feet. Uh, that put us up for good. Incredible. Incredible. That was like the home, one of the homers of the year right there. So freaking clutch. Well, then it gets followed with um, my boy, Lucas Duda. Yeah. Hitting his first bomb. Yeah, as a brave. I mean, he smoked that one. And then Johan hits one as yeah. well. Johan hit one after Acuna got on base. I think Acuna hit a triple, and then Johan comes up and absolutely just destroys yeah. the ball. Yeah, I mean, and that was great too because that gave us, uh, you know, we won the series three to three to one. You know, if you leave Arizona with a split, no one's going to hold it against you. But taking three or four from them, it's huge. It's like ever since that that day, this team has looked like a totally like the, the confidence, the swagger, the things we've been missing in the last couple of weeks seem. Like they were back in the San Francisco series. Yeah, and in San Fran, an interesting thing that Chip and Joe, of course, kept talking on was the cooler weather and how much better our pitchers looked in the cooler weather. They did. Because, like, I mean, especially Newcomb, that guy can't pitch if it's over 85 degrees. Which may be a problem if he wants to be in Atlanta long term. But it was great to see him have a good outing. He looked a lot better physically, mentally. His stuff was sharp. Zero walks, right? Yeah, zero walks. Yeah. He did not. He did not. Uh, what he pitched six innings. Did not look tired at all. Uh, once again, elevating his fastball the way we want him to. Uh, all around fantastic so, performance. Yeah, it was like night and day compared to his last effort. Yeah, I mean he was he was he was dominant, and then Fulty just Fulty last Fulty last night looked like uh, goddamn Max Scherzer. He was out there just throwing perfectly placed pitches. I haven't seen him have that good of control the whole season. 
talking about 99 on the fucking black on the outside corner. It was it was like if I was up to bat and seeing that, I would throw up all over home plate. Well, it was just beautiful. Well, that was the beauty of it as well is that he would he had 99, 97 or 99 if he needed it. Yeah, but he wasn't throwing it all night. No, not all night. He, he was working quick innings. Right, and the thing I love too is he's using his off speed pitches to get ahead of batters, throwing them off balance, and he finished them with the fastball, and it was just like. Like, he was in complete, total control of that game. Even though he gave up a run at the, the, the ninth inning, it didn't matter. Like, he made that game his bitch, and it was a, 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 a sublime sight to see. He, he hasn't thrown that well all year to me. Like, and, that was just... An ing- and especially mm-hmm. in, like, when we've played so many games in a row, the, our big pieces in the bullpen, our tacks, we're trying to uh, leverage them back a little bit. For him to come in and just throw a complete game in that situation and get the bullpen... Huge. A complete day of rest yeah. when we have an off day tomorrow as well. Yeah, it was awesome. The thing I loved about his fastball too is just the movement on the pitch. Like it would look like it would be going straight, and then it would have this sort of cutting movement. Uh, you know, cutting inside on right-handed batters, and it, like someone got a, uh, a a GIF. You can find it online on David O'Brien's uh, Twitter, where. It's from behind home plate, and you just see this ball come in. It's like 98. It's coming in. And it's coming in straight, and then at the last second, it kind of tails to the left. And it's it's just like, how can anyone hit that? When he is on like that, that's your freaking game one starter right there. I need no further evidence than to say that if, if we are in the postseason, we are in game one or a wild card game or whatever the hell it is, if yeah, we're lucky enough I, to get there, that's your guy, I, I th- unequivocally. I think he's pretty much locked that up. Unequivocally. I mean, you look at his last couple months, uh, 209 ERA in August, 1.20 ERA in September. He's going deeper into games. It seems like as the season's gone on, he's getting stronger. He's no longer he's no longer throwing four innings um, with 100 pitches or five innings with 100 pitches and uh, not facing uh, lineups more than two or three times. He is flat out dominating people. There's been a lot of talk, and I, I don't know if we've talked about it too much, but just how important Anibal Sanchez has been for Fulte in terms of his mental makeup. Mm. You know? Uh, Do tell. Well, yeah, I think it, I mean, just over the course of the couple of months, uh, those two have gotten pretty close. Mm. And, I mean, Anibal, I mean, he's a bulldog. He's been there for, he's been pitching 10-plus years yeah. now. Uh, he's just a wily veteran. and They're just saying that he's just had a lot of talks with him about the way dealing with umpires and kind of working the umpires a little more and what it's okay to get upset about and what it's not okay to get upset about and all that. So that's great. And you've seen the change from him and I'm glad that, that it's uh, some of the team who's helped him because that was one of the things I kept getting upset with Fulte about. And it's like, and I, and I identify with that because when we played, you know, little, little league baseball, I would get pissed off all the time with him. I was Ed case. So I, 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 I can't imagine doing that in the majors, obviously, but it, it's it is easy to get frustrated, and he was one of those guys that got easily frustrated. Now to see him, be so much more poised. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, his and, command. He just when you walk out there, that's a guy you fear as a hitter. I mean, that's if that's true about Anibal as well. I mean, not only has he pitched way above our expectations, but to get like to form an ace for us, I mean, that's worth the million dollars we're paying him. More, yeah, I mean, like that's that's a discount. The fact that he's been able to bring his his, his experience and, and leadership to a guy that desperately needed it, tremendous. You think we could take some of the money that we're paying Devontae Freeman and throw a little bit Anibal Sanchez's way? Sure, that'd be great. All right, you know he's he's played a lot more than Devontae has, <laughs> you know, with the injuries. Yeah, 
Um, I like when we cross sports talk. Yeah, to think about how they're like sharing money or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'd be remiss if we did not mention Dansby Swanson saving the game on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. With the play of the fucking yeah, year. That was unbelievable. So the bullpen, once again, was just in shambles. Mentor looked horrible. Guys were getting on base. We were up 5-3. to three. And the game, once again, the offense did pretty well in, you know. And... Uh, it's two outs, guys in the second and third, ball hit up the middle. Dansby ranges up the middle, fields the ball, 360 spin, throws a perfect strike to home. And keep in mind that the guy on third's already scored. The guy on second thinks he can, because the ball is kind of like in, in the shallow, shallow outfield at this point, and he thinks he can score. So Dansby has a wherewithal, one, to feel the ball, already know that he's got to go home with it. Spin, throws a perfect strike to, uh, I can't remember if it was Suzuki or, or Flowers, I think it was Zook. Yeah. And one hops it right to Zook, lays the tag on to win the baseball game. And talk about just awe-inspiring. I mean, that, that's the best play I've ever seen him make. That was the best play any Braves player has made the entire year, just because of what it, the significance it meant yeah, to the team. I mean, that was huge. Um, and he had his quote after the game was saying, like, he just knew instinctively to throw home. Because that, I mean, there was no hesitation. No. Like, if he had hesitated for a second to see if the runner was running, he'd be safe. Yeah. Uh, but he had just said that it's because he knew that if he were in a base runner in that situation, he, would, he wouldn't have stopped at third. Right. So he just knew the other guy was going to do the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been just kind of what this team's all about, just finding ways to win, different guys stepping up. I mean, Dansby's defense this year has been unbelievable, the the strides that he has taken. Like, do you know how huge it is for the Atlanta's own community to not have to hear Graham bitch about Dansby's defense all year, basically? Yeah, I mean, you haven't heard anything from me about that this year. It's been, it's been huge for my mental health. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I love this team. Yeah, it's a, it's a very entertaining team. They are now, we talk about the standings, seven games up on the Phillies. Yeah, things have uh, changed a little bit here. The Phillies, like we talked about in the last show, even since last week, they still haven't won a series. 0-10-1 in their last 11 series. And now we're starting to take advantage of that. We were complaining last week, or maybe it's just me, about how we weren't taking advantage of the Phillies' completely shoddy play. Now we are... We're winning baseball games. They continue to lose. The magic number, I believe, is down to 11 now. It could be 10 by the end of the night because the Phillies are down 4-1 to to right now to the Nationals as of when we're recording this. And and, and honestly, we're only like, what, two, three and a half games behind the Cubs for the overall top uh, seed in the National League. Yeah, I mean, that's our next thing to look at now. Yeah. Is to think about that. And it's, I mean, it's the point of thinking of, are we going to clinch at home next week? It's, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible, especially, um, you know, we play the Nationals this week, this weekend, and then we, we the Phillies come to town. It would be even sweeter to do it while those bastards are in town. We um, do it on the field, and they sit there and know that they played a huge part in just pretty much handing us the division with their shitty play. I mean, we've yeah. obviously held up our end of the bargain but they're making it easy on us at this point. You know what's so sweet about the Phillies stumbling as well? Because mm. they tried to fast-track their rebuild yep. by bringing in Arietta and Santana and not just trusting their young guys. Right. Whereas we stuck to the plan, added a couple pieces here and there, a la Anibal Sanchez and 
Gossman. Sure. Um, but stuck to the plan, mm-hmm. and it's worked for us. And so now we're even further ahead of them because of that. Right, and that is uh, that's a really good point. And that's not to mention they, they signed a bunch of other people or, or, or tried to trade for people over the course of the season. Yeah, they made all types of like bullpen uh, deals. Right, Justin Bohr. They brought in Jose Bautista at yeah. the end of the year here. Yeah, Justin Bohr, Jose Bautista, and that just reeked, reeked of desperation. Yeah. Reeked of desperation. They knew they weren't good enough, and they just like, well – Let's just try and go out and get this veteran guy. Hopefully, gives us a spark. Hasn't really worked for them. All year, people have been thinking that we're going to stop winning, and it just hasn't happened. No, and that's the thing. Even when the Braves, like we were talking about, even their inconsistent lulls uh, of losing, it doesn't get to the point where it's devastating. It only goes about four games before we sort of right the ship again, which has been big. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we haven't gone on a huge winning streak, we haven't gone on a huge losing streak, and we've won – a little more than we've lost, and it's added up. And right now, we're, I think we're on pace to win 90 games, and we're really, really close to the postseason. I think playoff odds uh, right now are at like 97% or something like that. Nothing's a given because hashtag true to Atlanta. Yeah. So anything can freaking happen, as we all know very well, all too well. But you can't help but start to look ahead. And I hate to say that, but it's true. You can't help but start to think about, man. I got to make my postseason plans. I got to get out to a couple games. Yeah, we we won't we won't go there yet. We'll save that for maybe next week, right? Hopefully, uh, a couple other things to mention about the Braves. A couple of stats: forty four and thirty on the road, mm. which I think is the one of, if not the best mark in baseball. I think it is. Yeah. This is this team has been road warriors all year. We've lost a lot of real devastating games at home, but mostly on the road, we've taken care of business, which is quite interesting. Yeah, they, on 680 this morning, they were talking. They're like, so if you have home field advantage, is it home field advantage or you have the right to home field advantage? <laughs> right. And can we just be like, now nah, we're good. No, nah. <laughs> you guys got it. <laughs> yeah. We'll play on the road. It's an interesting thought. It is interesting. I mean, it just seems like. I mean, if we, I mean, if we, so we got how many games at SunTrust here? Um, I think this is the one of the last home stands. So it's like a seven or eight game home Something stand? Something like that, yeah. Shoot, what if we go, like, two and five? Right. Right. That wouldn't be good. But then we go back on the road. And win. And win. It's, it's, it's quite strange. So I guess as long as we can win in a playoff series, as long as we can win one on the home, one on the home, one at home. Right. And then just take care of business on the road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. And another guy who's sort of risen from the dead is Ozzy Alves. He's having a good month so far. Oh, yeah, it's great to see. Um, he's starting to heat up a little bit. Hel- helmet's flying off again, which is nice to see, which means he's on base. Um, Five twelve slugging percentage in September. Three double six RBIs and eight fourteen on base plus slugging percentage. Um, he's starting to heat up a little bit again. So it's not getting into the full blown like April mode. That he was at, but I don't know if that's who he is as a player, though. It may not be. It may not be. Which is fine. Which is fine. We need him on the bases, right? We need him creating havoc on the bases and getting extra base hits. That's the thing that he that we've been missing, and he already has three doubles in September, whereas in August that was as many as he had in August in total. So he's starting to make some strides at the plate. I heard that uh, you know Seitzer's been working with him a lot, and that Ozzy was a little uh, reluctant to work with Seitzer as much, especially when he was going through his... Why? Uh, I think it was just a little egotistical. Mm. Um, that's, that was at least according to Jim Powell on the radio the other night. He was talking about how Ozzy was just kind of like 
you know, I'm doing my thing. I got it. Oh, got when it. he was struggling, when he was when he was successful, and even when he was struggling, it got worse. Got it. And so now he's kind of opened himself up to okay, maybe I'm not all that in a bag of potato chips. Right. I, I, I need to listen. I need to get off the obstinate horse and actually pay that's attention good. to what these guys have to say. Yeah. So I think that's starting to pay dividends. We're starting mm-hmm. to see him get more extra base hits, get on base more. He's hitting it all over the field too. Right, which is which is really good to see. And one thing that was also really discouraging with him was his splits against. Um, lefties and righties hit lefties really well. Sent like since August something August some some early day in August he sent like 500 against lefties, but only hit like 129 against righties. So that that those uh, those splits need to level out a little bit. Certainly for him to be a like, successful ball player, and you know if he can get back to even anywhere remotely close to how he was doing in April and May, uh, that's a huge boost to this lineup. And then maybe Freddie and Nick heat back up. Nick's, yeah. Nick's kind of gotten it going a little bit yeah. again. But so, so is Freddie. Freddie's getting on. He's two for four again today. A more. Yeah. Uh, he he um he drove in a run today. He's uh, I think drove in a run again yesterday. He he's starting to be more consistent again. The power isn't there as much as we've seen, but overall, I think he's he's right in the ship a little bit. He's getting close to two seventy in the month of of September. Getting on base more as well, which is good to see. So I, I'm I'm think I think Freddie and Nick are going to be fine. And Acuna obviously has continued to just destroy the baseball and get on base. He's been an absolute maniac. I mean, I, I know you mentioned this a while ago, and I thought you were full of shit saying, oh, you know, he's got more in MVP consideration. I was like, ah, take it easy. Now he kind of mm. hit another home run on Sunday, continues to get on base and just play world-class baseball. I, I mean, if he goes on a stretch here over the last like couple weeks and can get to like 33 bombs or something like that, think, I think it's certainly possible. Think about it this way, Grandpa. When Snitker made the change to put him in the leadoff spot, yeah. we were a game and a half out of first. And now we're seven games up. Seven games up, possibly seven and a half. That's not a coincidence. No, he's been instrumental to this team's success in the second half of the season. And I'll give Snicker this too. Thank you. That he made this move. It's not like Acuna was tearing the cover off the ball. He was hitting like 160 over his last like I don't know two or three weeks heading into the All Star break. He was he was hitting like shit. And then he plugs. He says, "You know what? I'm gonna plug this kid at the top of the order." I don't know if it was him, if it was in thought, whatever. I'm gonna say it was Snicker because he's the manager. Plugs him at the top of the lineup. <laughs> Offense is off to the races. And to anyone out there, you know, this could be you too, Graham. Hmm. <laughs> who still says Snicker's not our guy. Just stop watching the team, okay? He's a manager of the year candidate. This team was supposed to win like 72 games. The players love him. If you, if you don't, just go back and watch the video of when Acuna got hit and tell me you don't want that guy being your manager. Don't give me your sabermetric bullshit. He does enough of it. That's what our GM's for. This is our guy. Deal with it. Emphatic statement. And I'll say this. Every manager, even the good ones, even the great ones, have their warts and their decision-making, bullpen usage, things like that. And as much shit as I give Snicker for using Sam Freeman and Luke Jackson, I will say this. He's been dealt a raw hand with the bullpen. I still don't know why he uses Sam Freeman, but I will say this. I will say this. For what he's been given, he has done a very good job, and I like to believe even though it's the players that go out there and perform, that he has something to do with the overall mental stability, the chemistry, 
know, we're talking about therapy a lot in this episode. Mm, yeah. Imagine if you have a guy who's not in your corner. Imagine if you have a guy, let's say Acuna gets hit like he was in the Miami series and, and Snicker's not your manager and it's Gabe Kaffler who overthinks everything, the, the Phillies right. uh, uh, manager. And he doesn't really go out there and do anything. Morale could drop. That could affect players' performances. Um, things like that. I mean, the, 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 the good news is despite the bullpen management, he was given a shitty bullpen and he's done a lot. And he has, I think, been. I agree with you. He's been instrumental in why this team has has overachieved. I, I I do believe that. So even though I will still, you know, call him out when I think he doesn't do something that I think he should, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a shit manager or that he doesn't deserve the job or he doesn't even deserve to be extended. Yeah. That's obviously not my decision to make. But I'm not going to be upset if he isn't because I think he has been a huge part of why we are where we are. So yeah. I'll, I'll give him his props. Yeah. And like we said, there's always a nigga. I could plug you into any fan base, Graham, and, oh, you're you're gonna, and you're going to hate the manager. Oh, yeah, it was going to be great. You know, last night I was going through Twitter, and all these Braves, all these Braves people I follow on Twitter were retweeting Phillies fans bitching about Gabe Kapler, saying yeah. this, saying that. It's like everyone. It's everywhere. Everyone has something to complain about with the manager. Even, um, you know, I've seen Spurs fans grill Popovich and Pats fans grill Belichick. I mean, mm. it's kind of like, yeah, we're all going to bitch about it. But so, it's our guy. Sure. If we go to the playoffs this year, he's our guy. House money, man. House yeah. money. Who would have ever think we were having this conversation right now? Right. Yeah, we probably would have just glossed over the Braves. Right. We've been talking, right. about, the, talking, talking about, about the Falcons. Probably talking about Austin Riley getting called up. Right. Something like that. Um, maybe Ian Anderson mm-hmm. got called up. Not along with Kyle Wright. Right. Ah, very good. Yeah. Good joke. <laughs> good callback. Let's see if you people are paying attention. That, that was a good inside joke. Yep. Um, last thing I'll, I, I want to ask you is, uh, has your playoff rotation changed at all ever since we've last talked? Yeah, about I think it has. All right, what you got? What did I say last time? Do you remember? I think you had uh, Gaussi 1, Fulty 2, and you had Tehran, and then Nuke, I believe. I thought last time I had Sanchez. Or maybe Sanchez. I thought I said Nuke was out. Oh no! Yeah, is, you did say that. Yeah, yeah. You said Nuke was gone. Nuke's yeah. back in, man. He's After got, that one, he's got one performance. I think he's got to be. Um, Fulty, Gossman, Tehran's still in there. Like you put Tehran three and Nuke four. I think so. Like, I I do love Anibal's. Like today, he had garbage stuff today, mm-hmm. and he just gutted his way through six innings, gave up one run. Yep. Which you need in the playoffs. Right, that's true. And Newcomb is more pro- obviously more prone to blowing up completely. Yep. But also, if you could tell Nuke sucks after an inning, then you just plug in Sanchez. Sure. I don't know, man. I, I'm glad that's not my decision to make. Right. I'll say this. I don't think there's a postseason rotation. I think you align one, but you are willing to uh, shuffle if necessary. I think... I might have even had two key in my last one. You might have. I think, without a doubt, Fulte's your one. I think that doesn't change the matter of the opponent. After that, depending on your opponent, is how the rotation should be slotted. If we are playing, uh, you know, it also depends on location. If we're going out to Colorado in the in the first oh. series, the last thing I want is Julio Tehran pitching in Colorado. <laughs> you got to consider where guys have been effective the whole season and who they've been effective against. I don't want Julio Tehran pitching. That seems like an Anibal Sanchez spot. However, Anibal might be good there. Hell, Newcomb had his early in the season when we first started noticing how well he started to pitch. His first game was in Colorado. I might consider him there. He also likes pitching on the West Coast. 
you know, I think with this, with how volatile tonight's rotation could be, even though they've been very good since August, you have to consider outside of Fulte. Fulte's safe as number one, no matter what. You have to consider the other three or four guys, how they've fared uh, this season against their opponents and how we're, and basically, and, and the environments they're going to be in. I think that's what you got to consider. That's a fair point. Right? And let that dictate. Yeah, it's not just a standard one, two, three, four. Right. This is it. Yeah, yeah, and let that dictate how you uh, arrange the rotation. That's my play. Right. Then how much do you get Charlie Colberson in there? You know, shit like that. That's a big thing. You know what? If there's one guy I think is going to have a big postseason, Charlie Colberson another home run last night. Uh, Johan Kamaru had a groin strain. Colberson comes in immediately. That's classic Colberson. And hits a two-run bomb. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. It's incredible. But you can't bench any. Like, you can't bench Dansby. You can't bench... Ozzy, uh, Ozzy, you can't bench Camargo at this point. Like, right, I uh, think Col- you, you got to find him as that best. Yeah, Culberson's got to be your guy off the bench in terms of of your um, in terms of pitch hitting. And if anyone goes down that infield for whatever reason, he's your guy. But anywhere in the field, anywhere in the field, yeah, I mean outfield, he's yeah. got to. Yeah, you're exactly right. So it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, how that works, or who's going to be the primary catcher as well. It's going to mm-hmm. be Suzuki or Flowers. Um. We're getting way too deep into postseason stuff. But yeah, I, I thought we were trying to not. We were. We were. It's we, kind of hard not to think about. excited. Yeah. But I do think, I think that's the play of the rotation, the faulty, and then let your, where the environment is and who they're facing dictate how the rotation is arranged. Yeah. Uh, if Sean Newcomb gets bombed this week, we'll have a completely different thing to say next sure. week. Yeah, I think, yeah, I need to see a little more from him. But if, if last night was any indication, he's trending up. Well, Adam, I think this wraps up today's lengthy and uh, cathartic episode of Atlanta Zone. That felt good, Graham. No. Kind of tired, you know, after therapy, sometimes you just get a little exhausted. I know. They're working hard. Kind of, kind of want to lay back and, and just kind of veg out on those thoughts as well, you know? Yep, for sure. Reflect. Mm-hmm. Well, good thing there's an off day tomorrow. Yep. Falcons don't play either, so. Good time to get an episode out there. Yeah, yeah. good point. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality soup. Hospitality soup.